With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. This March the 8th, 2017. It is a great honor and a privilege to be with you. Ladies and gentlemen, we have got much to cram into today's broadcast. The United States this week, of course, has launched an assault against the Syrian government, an outright act of war. The first news article that I come up with that infamous day. And let me explain to you why it is infamous. You see, this is the exactly the 100-year anniversary of the United States of America's inception into World War One. But the very first article I could get on this, and I was right on the event horizon, Brian discovered it as it was breaking. When I did the search, this is what I come up with first from the Telegraph. Syria chemical attack, 11 children among at least 58 people reported dead. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is – well, it's serious, and we're going to spend some time talking about it this evening, that's for sure. This week, April the 4th, we had a three powerful blast from the sun. We also had a magnitude 6.7 earthquake uh, strike Botswana this week. That was April the 4th. We were told this week on April the 4th, same day, uh, that we have some possibilities uh, for Planet Nine, so to speak. This very same day, April the 4th, we had weather chaos ensues. We had tornadoes touch down. We had just massive outbreaks that day, uh, leaving two dead in Louisiana. This week we've had outbreaks. We've got one dead in 14 seconds in New Zealand from typhoid. Ladies and gentlemen, we also had an outbreak in West Victoria, very strange as anthrax killed 25 sheep. In Atlanta, people are starting to question. This comes from CBS4 Local, uh, Channel 46. In Atlanta, there's dead birds everywhere, and nobody seems to know why. Uh, but 
upon closer inspection, it looked like to me the problem was they weren't getting enough oxygen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you heard all about this back in 2011, how airports had begun to reorientate their markings because the magnetic poles had moved. Well, it was released that same day, April the 4th, that there's airports having to change their markers on the runways again as the magnetic shift begins to flux. Plenty of market chaos this week, ladies and gentlemen. This very strange article came out. Everybody knows about the Doomsday Seed Vault. Well, now we have a completely constructed Armageddon-proof library to go with it in Norway. One thing struck me. We all know about the most infamous Aleppo Codex, how it magically got shipped to Jerusalem without the Torah. The Torah had been torn out before it got to Israel. Well, maybe now we know exactly where it went. You know, ladies and gentlemen, it was released this week that liberals joining survivalist ranks in age of Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, get your trays into the upright position. Fasten your seatbelts. We, your host, Clinton Co-Watch, Brian Inger and Matthew Miller. We've oiled the saddles. We have readied the steeds. There's only one question left to ask. Why are you going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie?
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. It is a great honor and privilege to uh, be with you all tonight. Uh, let's see uh, if we can't get uh, everybody into uh, the switchboard. Uh, Brian and Clinton, do we have you? Tonight I'm having some yeah, difficulty here. here. All right, very good. We've got Clinton. It is a miracle, ladies and gentlemen, as you all know, that me pushing buttons is dangerous. Brian, we got you, bud? No, we don't I'm have Brian. So. It looks like. Okay, yes, we have you. Hey, Brian, I have succeeded in pushing the right buttons. I assure you that was not on purpose. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, we've had a mind-blowing week. I've had a mind-blowing day. Um, it's not too very often that I ever listen to a broadcast more than once. I don't have to. I, I usually don't have to, but <clears throat> I strongly suggest you go take a look at the Diligent Watchman podcast, the latest one, because I listened to it three times. And in order to get a better appraisal of just exactly what Clinton was referring to, I brought up a map, and that even made it worse as I began to look at the hectares involved, the, the square footage involved, the proportions to the four quarters of God's cup of trembling. So we're definitely going to cover that some today, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because, you know, there have been times, and I've had to call Brian to clarify exactly what he meant. Well, this time it happened to be Clinton. So uh, it's probably best uh, if we get Clinton in the saddle first and uh, have him do uh, his diatribe. Maybe he can talk a little bit about this. But uh, from that podcast, I went to his uh, Twitter feed, and all I could do was shake my head. There's no way I could wrap my mind around everything that's that's happened this week just on Clinton's Twitter feed. It, it's beyond me. Uh, so, Clinton, why don't you uh, say hello to everybody, and uh, let's get this show on the road, bub. I appreciate it, and thank you, everyone, for having me back. Um, I apologize for not being here last week, but I'm excited to be back online. Um, and, and, and I just wanted to jump right into talking about the, the story um, that, that you know, Matthew's talking about. And, and it, it shocked me. It shocked me so much when I read this story that I had to make the, the podcast right away because it, it, just, it just was shocking. It was too much. And, and basically, when, when Matt had called me about it, I, I ended up sending up three different articles, all referencing the same thing from different news sources. Um, the one that, that I'm going to share with you, and I am horrible at pronouncing names, but it's uh, uh, from uh, Arutz Shavia, uh, Israeli International News, which is uh, a well-known um, Israeli newspaper. And it talks about uh, that Russia recognizes Western Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Now, it goes in through the uh, article and it says Russia officially announced that it recognizes Western Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Um, says we reaffirm our commitment to the UN approved principles for the Palestinian Israeli settlement, which includes the status of East Jerusalem as the capital of the future Palestinian state. At the same time, we must state that in this context, we view 
West Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, the foreign minister of Moscow said in a statement. They continued on saying, however, the statement also gave recognition to the Palestinian Authority's claim to the eastern half of the city, in which many of the holiest sites of Judaism are located, such as the Temple Mount. Now, the, the importance of the second part, and this, this, you know, as soon as I read this, you know, my, my spidey sense or whatever you want to call it went off, because I remember reading in Revelation uh, chapter 11, where it, it talked about, you know, where, where John was measuring the Temple Mount, and he was only supposed to measure the Temple Mount, because the land around was to be given to the Gentiles. And I, I actually have uh, the Bible right here, and I, I want to read this just to put it in context. Um, it says, I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and I was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshipers there, but exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it was given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 12, 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. Now, the, the reason that that verse is so important with what Russia is saying, and Russia is actually saying that this is kind of more from the UN because it's off of the UN approved principles, that the Western half of Jerusalem, their plan on giving to Israel, or this is an attempt to do it, but the Eastern half, which holds the Temple Mount, will not be Israel's. It will not be given to Israel. It will be given to the Palestinians which then makes Revelation 11 fit into place. Why was the outer court, why was everything around the Temple Mount not given to Israel during this time? Well, if they continue on with the peace treaty, as in what Vladimir Putin just came out with, and this was this article I printed out on the 6th, so this is two days ago. So coincidentally, you know, I think the same day with everything that happened with Syria as well, so if this is the plan to have eastern half of Jerusalem given to the Palestinian Authority, but the Temple Mount to Israel, then that fulfills Revelation 11. So I, I know we have a lot to talk about, but I wanted to present this and just kind of get you guys' feedback and, and, and see what, what you think from this as well. Clinton, let me... Let me say this. Uh, when you bring up the map and, and, and look about what you're describing and how there's – no, no. Ladies and gentlemen, this just puts us in trouble. Why would they recognize Western Jerusalem? Because you can't see it until you bring up a map because this is just uh, – you talk about bad things on the horizon because, ladies and gentlemen – you have to realize that they always talk about East and West Jerusalem, which is really quite beside the point because the East portion of Jerusalem is the Christians and the Armenians. East Jerusalem, uh, that's where the Muslim quarter is in the north and in the south is the Jewish quarter. So why would the Russians say – the West, <laughs> what they should be referring to Jerusalem should have always been north and south, not east and west. But ladies and gentlemen, the only way to rectify, uh, make the area equal between the Jewish quarter and the Muslim quarter 
is to give the Jews the Temple Mount. Just look at a map. You can plainly see that. You can plainly see it. To me, when when I look at it, it's it is troubling to me just exactly what could happen here. Because if the wrong chess piece is removed, this would give due cause and justification for the Israelis to take back what is rightfully theirs. Because, ladies and gentlemen, they took that temple mount. They did take it. So you talk about this becoming a cup of trembling. It's an understatement. It is a serious understatement. The one map that I brought up, the modern map, it's very clear to show you the tunnel that goes underground from the covenant of the Sisters of Zion underneath the Jewish or underneath the Muslim quarter, and it, of course, exits at the Wailing Wall. Everything associated with this, of course, the green belt that surrounds the old city and takes up a huge portion of the Temple Mount itself. So this is all happening so fast, ladies and gentlemen. Um, the night that the attack uh, was unleashed… Upon Syria, Brian was all over it. Ladies and gentlemen, those ships come from Kittim. Those ships were stationed at Kittim. Maybe I've 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 put that wrong. Maybe uh, a lot of people is not understanding what I'm referring to. But ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand what Daniel the eleventh chapter talks about for the ships of Kittim shall come against him therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the holy covenant so shall he do he shall even return and have intelligence them that forsake the holy covenant ladies and gentlemen Kittim is Cyprus and it amazes me how you do for searches for this, for these prophetic ministries. There, I, I couldn't find anything directly relating uh, the single verse in all of the Bible that people should be directed to. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know the players of Daniel chapter 11, and especially here the one that I read, verse 30, and know wh you know who, what, where, when, why, you, you're in the dark. Is where you're at. Because the Fifth Fleet has been there for a while. They've just kept quiet. So we also have serious problems with did this chemical did this chemical attack even occur? I mean we have been known to correct in our intelligence, let's say, about these type of attacks and us performing a strike, and then it comes out later that 
oops, there were no chemical weapons used, it wouldn't be the first time. So all of this is giving me butterflies in my stomach, to say the least. Brian, let's get your take uh, on what Clinton had to share with us, please. Because, um, you know, Brian, I'm when you sent me that message uh, the other night when this happened, because Brian literally sent me this information within minutes of the strike happening. He was watching for it. Brian, should we be alarmed at this, or is the or is everything calm? Let let me ask you that. What what is your take? Should Christians be concerned about Russia <laughs> recognizing kind of the wrong half to be recognizing as the Jewish capital? Uh, you, your thoughts on that? And on top of it, with this attack that we performed against. The Syrian government, which was an act of war, by the way. But your thoughts, Bri? Well, to interject quick here, I mean, as far as the uh, Syria thing, I think we're going to have to cover that in depth in the last hour because we can't just gloss over that in five minutes. There is so much going on there with that, folks. It is utterly ridiculous. Now, this is going to go into a bit of a twofold equation answering um, uh, what happened here with Russia recognizing Israel as the capital, all this other stuff that seems to be going on hand in hand with this. And I want everybody, you need to pay attention to what I'm about to say. We have had continual, very odd things being done by these leaders of these major, major nations at this point. Just touching on this slightly concerning this attack that happened in Syria the other night, for instance, Russia was given notification that this attack was happening. They have full capabilities to shoot down any inbound missile that would be hitting that base. They were called and told ahead of time. Nothing was done to stop it, nor was anything done to interfere. But they then turn around within moments of the attack happening, claiming that there's going to be action for this. This is going to cause... This, that, and the other thing, our relations are soured, blah, blah, blah. Problem is, something does not line up because all the evidence is pointing at Russia is now playing the same game that Tayyip Erdogan has been playing now for some time, folks. They're playing all sides of the fence. If you recall, in the last couple of weeks, we had that story come out that stated through an Arabic news source that Russia was going to back Israel against the Iranian Shiite forces that are spread all over the place throughout the world as we speak. And he did meet with Netanyahu, and then basically, who knows what went down in that meeting. But then on top of it, in the last week, or I believe it was last week initially, is he then turned around and met with the Iranian leader, and they cemented a trade deal. Okay, it's basically common knowledge here, folks, that Russia has been aligned with Iran since ages immemorial here. But we're getting all of this double, triple, quadruple speak going on here at the same time. Trump basically had stated, 
all along that we were going to take this quote-unquote isolationist thing. We weren't going to be going in and being cops to the world and blah, blah, blah. Then, lo and behold, all of a sudden they roll off from, basically, they said the ships came from Cyprus and Turkey. And good luck finding that one online because it took me a long time to finally find the news story that stated where they came from. Because I saw it on the map as the news story broke within seconds on CNN International News. And they showed exactly where those ships from. They were scrambled from Cyprus, a.k.a. Kittle. There's so many contradictions now with what's happening here, with what the Trump administration said, did, and across the board. As far as what is happening with this chemical attack, the international communities are ticked off as they should be because proper investigations should have been done first before, quote-unquote, jumping to conclusions. But here's the bigger problem. There is no evidence whatsoever that there were any chemical weapons at the spot at the airbase that they hit because all the media that's been going in there and everything else, nobody's wearing gas masks. They're walking around like it's just, you know, peachy keen. Now, within a very short time after the fact that that airbase was hit, Somebody came in and bombed the spot where this chemical uh, attack was alleged to have taken place. Folks, if you can't see treachery in the highest scale at this stage, I don't know what to tell you. But we've got three, we've got multiple massive leaders that are playing what I've referred to in ages past, because that's what it is. Look up the great game. Find out what that means historically. We have these leaders. They are playing this great game right now, and we can name bare minimum three that we know for certain are absolutely playing a mega game here. We have Erdogan, Putin, America. Something is boiling, and it's boiling fast, And it's coming down the barrel quick. Now, going back to the story on top of here that Clinton had brought up. Now, folks, we know that it stated that the land will be divided for gain. Now, if this is indeed pushing into place the two prophets with the temple being built, because I'm I'm very glad you brought up the correct place for that to be, Clinton. A lot of people are in this mindset that that temple has to go up before anything happens. You're absolutely correct in pointing at Revelation 11. And, you know, this is one of those things where you kind of have to wonder, do they have to have that in their possession or is it vice versa? Will this happen during, after the tribulation trigger has been tripped, after the great earthquake, that they have possession of that land? Or will this be allotted in a deal further? I guess we're going to have to see on some of this department. Now, we have to remember on top of it, there's still talk going back and forth and back and forth. It'll disappear out of the news that they are going to be allotted. The embassy of America is going to be moved to Jerusalem. And it's one minute they're not doing it. The next minute they are doing it. One moment they're doing it. The next moment they're not doing it. Back to the doublespeak. So there's certain odds and ends in this equation that we're going to have to see play out here. But like I said, I'd like to dedicate that last hour of the show to the Syria conflict, folks, because you need to understand what's going on here, and it is not. Playtime is over. If you've been in playtime, it's time to stop. 
I think that's enough for now. Back to you guys. Well, Brian, listening to both of you, your verbiage that you used in the English vernacular. Yeah. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Like I said, I, I must be reminded of where we've came. The strike was carried out on the 100th year anniversary of the United States entering World War One. Please try to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that World War II was nothing more than an extension of World War I because of the concessions that had to be paid. You call them the monies paid by Germany to the rest of the world because they had to pay for everything that happened in World War I. Let me translate what I'm feeling to not only Clinton and Brian, but to the rest of the world. Brian is correct. This is boiling. The problem is, is what it's boiling in, and it's boiling in the Lord's cup of trembling. Consider this, ladies and gentlemen. What if the Temple Mount was pre presented to the Israeli government as long as they had to pay reparations for it? Did I get your attention? Brian was pretty clear to remind us all, me especially, the Lord our God has told us well in advance that it would be divided for profit. Now, we all know that the most holiest site to the Muslim community is the Hajjah. Now, if the Israeli government came forward and said, yeah, we will pay you for the Temple Mount, we will pay you a monthly concession or reparation, whichever you'd like to put it, this could happen so fast your head could spin. Your head could literally spin. Because take note, ladies and gentlemen, that what surrounds the outer city is what's called the Green Belt. And like I said, that same area for the green takes up most of the Temple Mount. With this in perspective, ladies and gentlemen, everything at play here, you better know what your point of view is. You better know what your perspective is. Because the Lord your God, he has but one perspective that's on that foundation stone. He don't have any other point of reference. He don't have any other viewpoint. No other perspective. This is why he tells you that that place is, of course, the apple of his eye, the center. That's why Brian and I have shared with you many times uh, the hard work that I did to make an azimuth map of the world as that foundation stone being the apple of the Lord's eye as he sees it. I spent, I think, a week taking that map, calculating the 432 nautical miles, putting it straight to the degree. You can look at that map and even see where you're at. 
So, I'm having to take pause here. Because I know a fantastic amount of information that the Hebrew and the Greek presents. And I'm not sure... I mean, I've only gotten my feet wet. You know, I've only tested the water. And it's awful hot. I don't think I want to jump in just yet without prior advisement about what I should and what I shouldn't say. But with that in mind, oh my goodness, we've been at this for 40 minutes. Uh, Clinton, please uh, jump back on here, and let's uh, let's move on to the next topic. Um I'm really interested to hear what happened financially this week, but Brian has already put his foot down. The second hour, you two are going to hash out this particular topic. So uh, we at least need to do the financial stuff or, or whatever else that you you have, Clinton. Please uh, jump in here and let's uh, let's get at it. We're already 40 minutes into the broadcast, so come on, let's let's get this thing rolling. Yeah, not a problem. Um, when it comes to what's going on with the, the world economy, I mean, right now, everything is just based off of emotion. And unfortunately, it's going to continue that way, uh, just for the sheer fact that everyone is kind of freaking out. Um, no one really knows what's going to happen with Syria. No one knows what's going to happen with North Korea. No one knows what's going to happen with oil. Um, so so we see, you know, for instance, oil jumped, uh, what was the 12% uh, the, the evening that Syria com- uh, committed their attack. Um, so we can see commodities are going to start jumping up, but that's not really the finances that I would like to look into. Um, I was always taught that if you want to look and see where the truth really lies, you, you follow the money. And so I spent a little bit of time uh, following Rex uh, Tillerson and uh, Donald Trump and who they were talking to throughout the Middle East. And I found some interesting stuff. So for instance, uh, Rex Tillerson recently just came out and said that, um, um, he, you know, he's not really too worried about uh, the human rights violations that Bahrain has. Um, Bahrain is a, a country in the Persian Gulf, which is very strategic uh, for the sheer fact that we do house some of our uh, Navy there. Um, and uh, um, the, the problem is they are massive civil rights violators and they have done this on a massive scale for quite a while to to the point that people are are protesting almost on a daily basis. Now, we wanted to to not worry about the human rights issues with Iran for the sheer fact that we wanted to sell fighter jets worth $2.8 billion to them. And we felt, you know, that it was important to strengthen our ties with this country since they were damaged under the Obama administration because, well, the Obama administration didn't agree with the human rights violations that they were doing. So now we're not really worried about the human rights violations. And there a lot of people are worried that the rest of the countries, you know, Saudi Arabia and other countries throughout the Middle East that have uh, human rights violations are going to see this as no issue. Coincidentally, this happened before the attack in Syria, but that wasn't the only issue. Shortly after Tillerson said just this, Bahrain went through and uh, revoked nationality or citizenship for 410 dissidents. So they had these protests that have been going on for, for quite a while. They, they have 410 uh, people, including 15 Shia clerics, um, who basically had their nationality or their citizenship just revoked. 
And the reason for the revoke was because, you know, they were not supporting what the Baran government was doing. Um, you know, later on this article, and, and the one I'm looking at uh, comes from PressTV.com, um, and it, it goes through and it, uh, you know, it says, you know, for instance, like in, in uh, uh, 2011, uh, troops from Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates were deployed to Baran to assist the government in the crackdown of these protesters. But since then, they have continued doing the protests. Um, during that time, scores of uh, people lost their lives or, you know, hundreds of, uh, were injured in, during these protests. Now, the problem is there, I, I see this as kind of a test subject. Uh, we know that, you know, with, you know, the Real ID Act, with immigration, with everything that's being debated throughout the United States when it comes to citizenship, this is a possibility. And we have to recognize this is a possibility that's, that being a citizen of a country can be revoked. And, and we have a, a country that is an ally of ours that we basically said, hey, we, we don't uh, care what you do to people, just did exactly this. So as things progress, we, we need to watch and see if this trend continues or if it's just something that happens with this country. But that's not the only transaction that happened here recently. We, we know that Donald Trump met with the president of Egypt and they said wonderful things about each other, talking about, you know, they're, they're on the same page, you know, they, they agree with the same way of running things. And, and it just seemed way too chummy how everything was happening. Well, part of the reason for this is there has been for the last, uh, since 1950s, uh, there has been a dispute of these two islands there within uh, the Red Sea that are owned by Egypt, but Saudi Arabia believes that they should own them. Now, last year, uh, Egypt said, okay, well, we'll make a transaction to give these islands to Saudi Arabia. And it was blocked. So they were not able to do it. Well, right about the same time that Donald Trump was meeting with the president of Egypt, all of a sudden, these two islands are signed over to Saudi Arabia. They are given to them. And, and here's just, this is from Al Jazeera. Um, an Egyptian court ruled on Sunday that a controversial deal to hand over two strategic Red Sea islands to Saudi Arabia can go forward, voiding an earlier rule that blocked the transfer. Uh, later in the article, it says, since the 1950s, there's been a lot of pressure by Israel and the U.S. on Saudi Arabia to challenge the sovereignty of the islands because in case the Saudis have control over the islands, it becomes an international strait, so Egypt cannot at any point block out Israel's maritime passage through the strait. So this is basically a, a military move to move an asset from a country, Egypt, that well, we're not really sure where they lie, to a country, Saudi Arabia, which we know is aligned with Israel and the United States. And it makes it to where Saudi Arabia is then in charge of these two islands, so that way, Israel does not have their trade routes removed by Egypt. So, well, it's not a transfer of actual cash, but it's a transfer of a major asset. Um, and the other thing that, that came out is the president of Egypt, uh, Sisi, is going to present a Middle East peace plan to Donald Trump. Um, and this is actually from the Times of Israel. Uh, it talks about uh, uh, LCC and Jordan's King Abdullah uh, reported, or will reportedly present the United States uh, Donald Trump with a framework on an Israel-Palestinian peace deal. 
during their visit to the uh, White House this week. Now, the thing is, I'm not too concerned about that, but later in the article, it says uh, that Trump administration aims to host an international peace conference on the Israeli-Palestinian issue in September. Now, there's a lot of speculation from an economic standpoint that something is going to happen in the fall, uh, that we're seeing some of the, the shaking happening now, but, but this is going to continue. And then in the fall is when they anticipate a lot of economic calamities happening. Now, you throw this mix in there that also they're going to have a peace conference about peace in the Middle East in September. And, you know, you know just random signs in the heaven, nothing, nothing really to worry about with signs in the heaven. But, <laughs> but, but we have all these things developing at the same time, and they seem to be portraying towards this fall as well. Now, when we're making alliances with these different countries and you're watching the transaction of money happen, you also have to kind of look at our possible allies. Now, we know that Israel and India just signed a, um, a defense contract to where Israel is going to provide defense for India. And then at that same time, India went and removed the debt of a large portion of their farmers. Now, India has a major issue with their farming industry being um, overrun by debt, where they basically made the farmers take on so much debt that they couldn't afford everything. And now they were starting to get to the point that they couldn't pay for it, and they're going to lose their farms and everything. So what India did is they just wiped out their debt. And this is actually from CNN Money. Um, it talked about um, there was 21 million small farmers who own less than five acres of land that will benefit from the release. And that includes 700 farmers whose loans were already listed as non-performing by their banks. So instead of foreclosing on all these farms, our ally, India, chose to forgive their debt. So, well, this is good news for people if they are hoping the United States does the same kind of thing, but that's a, a long stretch. But we see that this is also a trial as well. India has been going through a major issue with uh, the removal of, of cash, um, having people not know what to do from a stability standpoint, and now they're forgiving debt. So from a, a macroeconomic standpoint, the, the, we know that India is in trouble, and we know that the rest of the world is in trouble. So this is going to continue leading from there. And just one last thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to just things that are not really presented within the Middle East. And it's just a little tidbit. And this is from the Middle East Monitor. Iran strikes Saudi using United Arab Emirates and Oman airspace. And this came out on April 5th. So, well... You know, it was actually the fourth, so it was a, a day or so before the attack in Syria. But no one talks about it. But basically, Iran sent drones used by the Yemen Houthi to strike Saudi Arabia uh, via the United Arab Emirates and Oman, um, a British intelligence organization reviewed. Uh, it says, in this report, it said that Iran sent drones to Yemen via United Arab Emirates and the Omanian Air, uh, territories, and that the Houthis used them to hit Saudi missile defense system radars. Well, it's a very strategic target to hit just for the drones if you're going to hit the missile offense. And why would you hit the missile offense unless, well, you plan on shooting missiles into Saudi Arabia? So is Saudi Arabia on the radar? Well, 
there's a strong possibility that what develops from Syria, what develops from Iran, that Saudi Arabia is going to be a target. And, well, they, they made it known that they've already hit them as well. So we have a lot of developments that are happening to kind of show this. But we really have to, have to kind of watch and see what is going to develop, you know, just everywhere. <laughs> everywhere, every day you look at the news and, and you look at it and you're just like shocked. It's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous to, to see the, the craziness that's happening. I mean, just a random article, uh, Christians in China hospitalized after resisting state surveillance. And this article goes through and talks about how the Chinese government um, are placing closed circuit TV cameras inside Protestant and Roman Catholic churches to monitor their patrons. And that, of course, the, the churchgoers didn't like to do this. So government officials came into the churches, put the cameras in by force, and some of the pastors and worshipers who didn't agree were, were moved and dragged away. And some of these people had to go to the hospital for the, their treatment of their, uh, of their wounds. So, I mean, everywhere you look, anything you want to look at, you can see that everything is developing. And it's, it's unfortunate, but it's something we have to pay attention to. So I hope that kind of stems things off. Um, but just kind of on the, 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 the whole Christian persecution uh, side of things, you know, this came from The Independent, which is a UK uh, publication. And it says Pakistani Christians accused of lynching are offered acquittal if they convert to Islam. And, and it talks about in here that 42 men were charged for killing two Muslims after a suicide bombing on two churches. And they were promised acquittal if they converted to Islam. This is a slippery, slippery slope when we are forcing persecute are forcing you know people to convert to not be put to death. So I'll kind of hand it off to you guys and leave you guys with this since we're getting close to the hour. Well, let me add some fuel to that fire. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I found this article uh, today. It's kind of disturbing. It's uh, from the Daily Record. It talks a lot and it talks a lot, and then one sentence stands out by itself in relationship to this uh, POTUS being warned that he's one step away from a serious conflict. This is what the sentence reads. A British nuclear submarine is patrolling the Mediterranean and is armed with atomic weapons. Now, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> I hope you all understand what that means and why this would have been reported out in the broad daylight. Now, I'm going to throw this at Clinton. I hope he realizes that this has been all over the news since I think about 2008, but this is the plan. I'm going to read from um, – let's see here. This is the Financial Times. This is the most recent article I could get. In the wake of Mr. Trump's election victory, Israeli MPs have floated ideas including – the annexation of large Jewish settlement blocks in the West Bank and the creation of a mini-Palestinian state in Gaza and parts of Egypt's Sinai Peninsula. Ladies and gentlemen, 
do an exact phrase search for Palestinian Minion State. They want to relocate those Palestinians and give them their own state in the Sinai Peninsula. And this makes you wonder why it is that Clinton pointed out that we've been having some arms issues, some weapons issues with the Egyptians. Ah, yes. Land for profit. It seems like we go straight back to Daniel once again. You know, this really has me bothered. Let me read another one from another news organization. This was released uh, just March the 23rd, 2017. The West Bank and Gaza together constitute only a fifth of what was once Palestine. And the conversion of even the entirety of those territories into a Palestinian mini-state would do little for the 1.3 million refugees in Gaza and 775,000 in the West Bank, many of whom have been separated from their families or live a few miles away from homes and land inside Israel proper, that they have been denied the right to return to. This is building. This idea is building, ladies and gentlemen, because Brian and I shared with you on the End Time Tribune that they just recently had inside the deep state a big conference about uh, the Palestinian refugees in an exact inversion of what the Lord our God promises to his children, providing highways back to the promised land. You all remember, first from Assyria, then to Egypt. Now, let us remember why the Lord our God wants us to think about such things. Assyria is prophetically where you do not want to be. You're stuck there, kind of like me. I am here by force. Give me one iota of opportunity and zip to the Holy Land, I would go. That's why I'm not wealthy. God knows me (laughs) too well. You give me one Red scent, enough to relocate to that land which has been promised to me, and I'm gone. I don't care if I you know, live in the Muslim quarter, Armenian quarter. It really don't matter to me. I'm out of here. The Lord our God wants you to know Egypt because that's where you go voluntarily. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you, you're supposed to understand Revelation chapter 12. You're supposed to understand the 1,290 days. You're supposed to know, you're supposed to remember how this all played out. You're, You're supposed to know your Bible first and foremost. You really are. That's the first and foremost things. You're supposed to know and understand uh, why it is they went there. 
look, ladies and gentlemen, do you, do you not understand the prophetic ramification? See, when Clinton was talking, reading from that, and he said 42, 42, 42 people had been taken. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot say a number in my presence and not remember the word of the Lord my God. Genesis 42. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look upon one another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. Ladies and gentlemen, you're supposed to know the difference about Assyria and Egypt. Egypt's the entire planet, okay? You're supposed to know about these event horizons. The difference between Assyria is where you're captured and you're taken to and you're stuck there. When you go to Egypt, you do so voluntarily in the midst of this $1 million question. I'm going to ask you, and you need to hurry up and look it up while we're on break, ladies and gentlemen, because you tested the Lord your God ten times. Ten times. Do you know how the children of the Lord tested him ten times? You, you need to understand what that's all about. And more importantly, you, you need to know about the craftsmen. The craftsmen are going to offer you cover fire so that you can do exactly what Revelation chapter 12 says you're going to do, which is exactly what happened in Genesis 42. You, you really do need to look those things up, ladies and gentlemen, because they're real. It's, it's going to happen. It's that which is real. But uh, go to Blue Letter Bible or something while we're on break and look up where the Lord your God says, You tested me these ten times. You need to familiarize yourself with that. It is detrimental to your getting your ticket on Operation Eagle's Wings. It's detrimental that you know what the Bible, God's Holy Word, instructs you about what is to come. And I can't say that any plainer than I did. But please, ladies and gentlemen, I'm begging you. You can go to Blue Letter Bible or, or, or Bible Gateway something. Crap your mind. I'm not going to tell you the verse. You need to look it out yourself. Where the Lord your God gets irritated, he says, you've tested me ten times. Ladies, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, neither he nor his son was playing with you. Babel. They don't yada, 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 yada. And they sure as fire don't entertain that's the last thing on the Lord's mind. Last thing. I don't care about such things, so we're going to take a break here. Eight minutes and 35 seconds. And you need to seriously consider what it is that you're doing. You need to seriously consider where it is you're going, because it's coming down the barrel. 
As for me, in my house, we shall serve the Lord God of hosts. And I'll tell you why. Because he reigns, baby. He reigns.
Listening to the End Time Tribune, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the End Time Tribune. 
Got lots to cover, and Brian has been as quiet as a church mouse, so to speak. Brian, why don't you jump right in here into the saddle? I know you've got a lot you want to talk about, a lot that you need to cover. Um, Just mind-blowing, Brian, everything that's happened uh, this week. So jump right on in here, Brian. Let's get straight to it. Cover here for a couple of seconds. I'm having to run two different computers in here because I'm in the back room and I can't get Word work, a program working on the Mac to properly do something fast here. So cover a few minutes here and I'll be right in once I check this. I keep the word out real fast. Not a problem. Um, I'll just tell you, everybody, what I've been lightly looking at here because I found something, once again, that uh, bothers me. Um, something that you just don't expect to see. When I mentioned the simple fact about the World War I reparations to the rest of the world, something really bothered me. It stuck out to me when I investigated it more fully because did you know that the last payment for those reparations was paid and On October 3rd, 2010. Now, it gets my attention because I immediately remember some celestial somology going on around that time. You know, that that time frame. Uh, What had happened just before it was Uranus and Jupiter. They conjuncted on the celestial seesaw in the sign of the heavens of the 153 fish, Pisces. Uh, Let me make that a little bit simpler for people. Ladies and gentlemen, in the heavens, there is the ecliptic. Now, that is the path that the earth and all the planets go around the sun on. The other line through the heavens is, of course, the equator. When you take the equator and put it into the heavens so you know And you're able to calculate exactly what the coordinates are as related to the ground to the sky. So there are two pivot points in the heavens. One is in, of course, the sign of the woman, Virgo. The other pivot point in the heavens is the 153 fish. And it was back then in 2010. Of course, I had already had started the end time tribune, had already been on for Oh, what, five months? So I already had my eye on this. I'd already calculated, uh, extrapolated out what that could possibly mean. But at the time, I had no idea that the last of those reparations had been made by Germany on October the 3rd, 2010. And I don't know what to do about that because you know I'm just looking at this myself I'm just getting this up to speed but I will read to you this paragraph Uh, it comes from uh, Claire Sudath October the 4th 2010 in her article she released why did the world war one just end it was published in Time on July 29th, 19, or July 29th, 2014. 
So this comes directly from her article. To make reparation payments, Germany took out various loans during the 1920s. 1933, following the cancellation of reparations, the new German Chancellor Adolf Hitler canceled all payments. In June 1953, an agreement on this existing debt was reached with West Germany, which agreed to make symbolic token payments against the loans that had been defaulted in the 1920s, but deferred some of the debt until the West and East Germany were unified. In 1995, following reunification, Germany began making the final payments toward the loans. A final installment of 94 million U.S. dollars was made on October the 3rd, 2010, settling German loan debts in regard to reparations. I don't know what kind of commentary I can offer you on that. But I do know that was planned. I do know this planned as this clearly states these plans were drawn up before East and West Germany was unified. Now, literally, with this little bit of information that we have, uh, this had been in the plans long before the West watched the Berlin Wall tore down. So this is of greater design, and I'm not sure exactly what the implications mean as far as celestial cosmology goes, but I do know this, that Brian and I have been talking a lot privately about 2010, because Brian has made it quite clear publicly that that was his event horizon was one of the eclipses that occurred there, and he just happened to witness it. And it rattled his cage, so to speak. So, Brian, are you ready? I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, are you ready to jump in here now? I just thought I would relay that little tidbit that I was looking at there. Yeah, I'm for the most part here. Uh, I had to double-check something here because... It gets real interesting, folks, when you uh, consider what's going on here with our attack the other night. Um, one moment. This PDF wants to play games with me here. Now, you know, take note, everybody. Like I said before, when they rolled up the other night, those ships came in there from the uh, upper tip of Cyprus, which is a.k.a. Kittim. Now, it was, I believe, last year in one of the videos, Matthew, correct me if I'm wrong, that I told everybody, if you see warships scrambling to Cyprus, that you need to contact us immediately. And, well, we lucked out because I happened to turn on the TV the very moment it happened and find out about it. So, you know, and as I stated, they came in there. You know, it states in the news article that I was able to finally find that, uh, let me see here. Okay, the destroyer's locations are always kept secret, but are believed to have been off the coast of Turkey or Cyprus around 150 to 200 miles from 
Al-Sharat and fired 30 minutes after they warned the Russians to keep away from the area. And this article was on dailymail.co.uk, in the news articles, etc., how Trump unleashed awesome Mediterranean arsenal on Assad. And, I mean, basically, once this happened, you know, there was a mass majority of, you know, the whole international community, essentially, folks, that came forward. And they basically stated in either agreement or against. And as I pointed out before, there were multiple people that were pretty ticked off about the fact that they did not even bother to finish the investigation to find out if it indeed was a chemical attack, what chemical it was, because the reports are actually contradicting the fact that it was a sarin gas attack. Now, the more you keep looking into those reports, the deeper you start looking into what exactly happened with these chemical weapons that they're stating Assad used, the whole story begins to just become fishy as can be. You're getting reports from one set of investigators, oh yeah, definitely it was Assad. You're getting investigations from those in Russia that were stating this happened when a Syrian plane had accidentally struck a chemical weapons cache that was from the rebels. You're just going to keep getting the runaround here, folks, on where in the heck this uh, chemical attack came from, what it was, etc. And as I pointed out, within Almost no time. A plane was sent in, and they bombed the spot where this attack happened. So making matters worse now, whatever could have been there to possibly investigate further has been absolutely obliterated. Now, we're going to take in another factor. Folks, he launched this attack 100 years from the point where America entered World War I. And if uh, any of those of you that caught that in uh, one of the last few programs, I'm working towards World War I history because the isochronal eschatology involved, that which has been is that which will be, these time factors are all locked into everything that we're seeing move forward. World War I is going to be one starting stage, but for some reason he decided to initiate this attack exactly 100 years from the date. So now we're walking into the quote-unquote twilight zone. Making matters worse, the first time that we saw the um, warships that were scrambled to Kittim back in October um, 2013, I believe, it works out to three and a half years. And the first time they went out there, no attack happened against Syria in any shape, way, or form. This time it turned out differently as they showed up and started firing 59 Tomahawk missiles into the equation. Again, something that cannot be ignored. Now, I suppose people are going to be asking, uh, why is it that I had pointed out that we need to watch Kittim again? Now, everybody go back in time from after October when this first attack was launched. 
maybe it wasn't 2013 here. I'm trying to think. It was 2014, I believe. But nonetheless, shortly thereafter, we told everybody, folks, okay, we know what's coming next. Forces from him shall arise. Forces from his seed. We've explained this in depth before. I'm not going to go back into that again for time's sake. Nonetheless, shortly after that, ISIS captured Mosul, which is Nineveh. Then they ripped up and they started going into Syria and capturing things there. So we saw that stage of his forces. I've stated time and time again between the videos and the audio, folks, that that, this is stage one of his forces. We've got another stage of his sources that are going to come into effect a little bit later here. We could be looking at the crux of that secondary force moving into place. Now I'm just trying to think here. There's uh, so many aspects here to cover within this. It's just It gets to the stage of utter ridiculousness here, folks. But let me read to you again to hear exactly what it states. Now, if you look at, starting at uh, Daniel 11, verse 29, and I'm going to backtrack here, folks, because you need to understand what it says here in 11:27. Basically here, you know, in 1127, Daniel 11, verse 27, as for both kings, their heart will be intent on evil, and they will speak lies to each other at the same table, but it will not succeed for the end is still to come at the appointed time. Okay, everybody, did you notice what it said here? The end is still to come at the appointed time. Verse 29, here's what it states. At the appointed time. What was the appointed time? 1127. He will return and come into the south. But this last time, it will not turn out the way it did before. For the ships of Kittim, which is a.k.a. Cyprus, will come against him. Therefore, he will be disheartened, will return, and become enraged at the Holy Covenant and take action. So he will come back and show regard for those who forsake the Holy Covenant. Then we move to that next spot. Forces from him arise, will arise, a.k.a. that was ISIS in its first in, this first incarnation of his forces that are arising. Now, why did I know to look again? This last time, it will not turn out the way it did before. Now, if you look at the word, that goes to uh, H314 which basically can be can mean behind following subsequent western behind hintermost western of location later subsequent latter last of time but if you drop a couple of letters from this exact word here that is in Daniel verse 11:29 something very interesting comes up you basically, if you start it at the Aleph for the, uh, to do the word search, you're going to get derivatives of that word. And you've got, like I said, you've got 10 of them in here specifically, folks. And I would highly advise that you go and look into this. But you've got something very, very telling here 
that shows up in, of all places, Daniel 8, verse 3. And what does that say here? Then I lifted my gaze and looked, and behold, a ram which had two horns was standing in front of the canal. Now the two horns were long, but one was longer than the other, with the longer one coming up last. Now, how many times have we been stating, folks, watch the Medes and the Persians? Makes me wonder what's really going on with this attack. Makes me truly wonder what happened that day as this alleged chemical attack happened. I'm going to take a break here for a moment and try to figure out what I'll have left out in the meantime, and you guys go for it. Clinton, would you like to comment on Brian's thoughts there, please? Yeah, I wanted to spend a little time. I mean, uh, talking about this whole attack on on Syria and uh, it, it just doesn't. It's things just don't really fit. Um, I mean, I, I, I meant to mention this earlier, but uh, Rex Tillerson um, before the attack, you know, actually gave his support to uh, the free democratic election, if you could call that, of Syria saying that the Syrian people could elect Assad as their leader if they chose to do so. Well, we know that the election system in Syria is a joke and uh, that everyone that was against Assad has already pretty much left the country. So, you know, having him not be elected to be the president of Syria uh, wasn't going to necessarily happen. But the the crazy thing is then if if the United States just put the support for um, Assad um, on the table, then why would they do an attack? And and the, that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, we, we just basically kind of gave them a truce. Now, the other point that doesn't really make a lot of sense either is, according to the Obama administration back in 2014, um, all the sarin gas, there was an agreement between the United States, Russia, and Syria that Russia would remove all the sarin gas from Syria, all the and, and so there shouldn't have been any, any Syrian gas in Syria to do this attack. So either A, Russia did not remove the Syrian gas, or B, Syria actually didn't do the attack. And considering Syria actually said that they did not do the attack, it's just very interesting um, how this is playing out. And the fact that there was not really much of a delay uh, for the United States response against Syria. Now, the one problem that everyone was concerned about is with Assad and how he was going to uh, retaliate, I guess you could say, against uh, his own people. Uh, They weren't necessarily worried about Assad attacking someone else. They were worried about Assad attacking his own people. And Brian mentioned that they they had this air raid, you know, these missiles shot at the same location that the sarin gas was uh, uh, released. Now, it could be to destroy any evidence uh, as to what really happened with the attack, or it could be Assad attacking his own people, uh, because realistically, we don't know who did this attack. Uh, now, the speculation that the only 
planes in the air were Russian and Syrian uh, troops or Syrian planes. So if that is the case, then Russia or Syria did this last bombing attack. And that would then fit into the scheme that Assad would then do this against his own people. So, so it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Now, when it comes to the divisions coming through, I, I like to look at uh, Isaiah quite a bit as well. And the use of the Assyrian Empire to be God's vengeance in a way, to uh, you know, show the, uh, his power and, and to judge the, the nations in the Middle East and ultimately turn against Israel as well. And, and that's where you know, I try focusing on you know, what's, what's going on with Saudi Arabia and, and seeing the alliances being drawn because we know uh, that Saudi Arabia is going to have some serious problems when it comes to what develops in the future. Now, we, we have these alliances happening with Egypt, which is very interesting as well. And, and this is where there was a little difference in, in what I thought of this highway. Um, but you guys mentioned earlier that there was a highway uh, to either transport goods or, or uh, move between Syria and Egypt. And, and the way that I uh, always saw this being interpreted is that highway was, was um, like a, a partnership, um, like an agreement between the two nations uh, during this time. So, so I, I'm kind of curious as to, you know, that highway and hoping that you guys can kind of talk a little bit more about, about the highway and explain that a little bit. Well, sure. Yes, this is, they have dubbed it in the news, Clinton, as a new Silk Road. Only this time it has two parts. It has the ancient highway on land, but now it also has a maritime Silk Road. Now, one of the things I've got to say is that a couple times during this broadcast, Oman and ladies and gentlemen, uh, Brian and I shared with you on prior broadcasts, I'm not sure which one, the simple fact that the last port of call for the maritime is right there. And, of course, the land, Silk Road, goes underneath the Caspian Sea. Look, ladies and gentlemen, you just look at the map, and it plainly shows you that if the Euphrates was to dry up, it would create the perfect length between the land, Silk Road, and the ocean, Silk Road. Now, on top of all this, you have to remember that I brought out the simple fact that they had announced an algae bloom the size of Mexico right there, right there in this very place, almost as if the Silk Road Highway was trying to avoid it. Now, Clinton, this is extremely important because this is a gathering of the powers of the kings from the east, this, this new Silk Road. They've been doing this behind the scenes. <laughs> They're already well underway with all of this. So, that, ladies and gentlemen, let, let me just do... Uh, a little bit of history for everybody so because this is massively important that, that people have forgotten this they've forgotten it they've forgotten that there ever was such a thing as you 
as a united Arab Republic. Now, now, ladies and gentlemen, this is very important because you need to understand you need to understand there was no Egypt and there was no Syria. There, there was no such thing. That was one united Arab Republic. It's just you've forgotten about it. Now, this is one of the main things. Uh, it's very important that we keep our history. And here I have before me is really second-to-none history. This is an Encyclopedia Britannica yearbook for 1971. There is no better history book. If you would just go get all of the Encyclopedia Britannica yearbooks, it tells you everything that happened in every country on that year. So this is 1971, so it's going to tell you everything that happened in 1970. Let me read just a little bit from these <laughs> yellowed pages. This is straight from uh, the Israeli section. Not until the closing weeks of the year did it become evident that 1970 would go down in Israel's history as the year of an emergent new political leadership and the beginning of the first major change in Israeli foreign policy. The central factor both was a minister of defense, Dayan. At the beginning of the year, of Dayan's influence over the cabinet council and the country at large was still overshadowed by the majority of the ministers, including the prime minister, Miss Golda Meir, who were arrayed against him. It was against Dayan's advice that the cabinet majority had supported the decision to embark on a deep penetration air attack against the UAR. These attacks continued into mid-April. The targets included positions in the suburbs of Cairo and industrial objectives in the Nile Delta. The principal military objective, however, was the radar system serving the UAR Air Force progressively and effectively destroyed during the first 10 weeks of the year. Now, I'm sure there are things that I read in that article that you've heard out of Clinton's mouth this very episode. Ladies and gentlemen, this is – well, this cup truly is trembling. You know, that's what happens when the water boils, ladies and gentlemen. The pot starts to jump. So when we put these things together, Clinton, this is this is no good. This is uh, – well, it can either be viewed as very ominous for those who do not have a properly exercised faith. But those of us who do, it would seem to me… This is very exciting news. We could very well get this show right on the road because we have to understand what the Bible tells us, Clinton. He's very clear that the Assyrian will rise. And as soon as he crosses the river Euphrates, God is very clear. He makes no mistakes about it. In multiple prophecies, he says when he does that, 
He drives up the river Euphrates to make way for the kings of the east. That's exactly what they are doing. Right now, they're constructing the new Silk Road, which this time is two parts. It's, it has a maritime Silk Road and the old land Silk Road going right through Persia. Egypt is intricately involved in this. Especially, of course, if for, you know, ladies and gentlemen, what if this mini Palestinian state in Sinai, well, somebody's got to pay for it, right? Right? What if that was part of the reparations that Israel would have to pay for taking control of the Temple Mount? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, what a dainty lure for Israel. What greater temptation could all those Israelis have? They could be given the Temple Mount. They agreed to the two-state solution and have to pay for the construction of a mini-Palestinian state right there in Sinai. Ah, yes. Once around the ride we go. So, Clinton, I hope I explained that enough about this, this new Silk Road and the massive amounts of monies being dumped into it by by all those involved where this Silk Road goes. And once it's solidified, of course, once you control that, Clinton, you control the flow of everything. Everything manufactured, any type of consumer good would have to go down that Silk Road. And the only thing that I, I, I need to point out to you further from that, Clinton, is the simple fact that the New World's never mentioned. This thing's been planned 100 years into the future, and Mundus Novus is not part of it. Not in any of the literature, anything they've drawn up. It, it's almost like the entire western part of this planet uh, is just left out of the equation for some very strange reason. So if you do that, Clinton, they, of course, after this was established, could immediately establish that you pay them for their goods in their currency. Perhaps they will use the mark in reference to Germany. I don't know. But this is going nowhere very good at breakneck speed. So back to you, Clinton. Yeah, I want to kind of talk about uh, that, the using their own currency as well. And and I think, you know, when you when you talk about the, the trade and, and you have – and we haven't even uh, brought this up where we, you have this natural gas field that they found right inside the Mediterranean, right outside of Israel. Um, and Israel has laid claim to this natural gas field, uh, but so has Lebanon. Um, and this, this field is the largest natural gas field in the entire world. So it's, and it's at the best location to be able to ship it directly into Europe. So it's very, very important. Now, the reason that I bring up natural gas um, is because of what's called the petrodollar. And the petrodollar is an extreme danger at this point. 
Um, and what, what the petrodollar is, um, is basically to buy oil on the world market, you have to buy oil in the U.S. dollar. So if Iranians, for instance, wanted to sell their oil to, say, Europe, uh, Europe would have to change their currency from the euro into the U.S. dollar, exchange it for the oil. Then the Iranians would have to exchange the U.S. dollar for their currency, and that's how the, the relevance of the U.S. dollar is. And, and that's one of the primary reasons that many uh, speculate that we went into Iraq was because Saudi, or that uh, Saddam Hussein uh, actually was tra- uh, changing the trade from the U.S. dollar to the euro. And if that was to continue, then the value of the U.S. dollar would then decrease. Now, on, I believe it was March 1st, uh, Iran stopped taking the U.S. dollar. And to buy Iranian oil, you either had to use the Iranian currency or gold. Now, that is the beginning of the decline of the petrodollar, which is one main reason that we are involved in the Middle East. Now, from trading in a own currency, we, we know that there's ultimately going to be a one currency. And, and we see, for instance, like the kings of the East, we, we, we see United, or we see Russia and China actually moving economically to move away from the U.S. dollar and move to more of a gold-backed currency. Uh, right now, uh, China came out where they are actually trading uh, to where you can buy Russian bonds in China and China, or the Russians can buy Chinese bonds to help uh, you know, produce some capital. But then also they're moving to where they're starting to see if they can trade in just gold versus any other currency. So when, when you're trading in just one currency, then you have the kind of situation, for instance, if we do have the Palestinian state that's developed in the Sinai Peninsula and we have Israel that's going to build this, then, yes, it's going to put a, a financial burden on Israel, plus they'll have the financial burden of building the temple, uh, the, the third temple as well. Um, Israel is very strong when it comes to finances, but when you throw in the removal of the Western world or you know, the new world, like you just mentioned, it puts a financial strain on them. So there's going to have to be some other way to pay for this. And that could be that natural gas field that is right outside of Israel um, in the Mediterranean because, well, you know, uh, Russia has been working on creating a pipeline to go through Turkey um, into Europe. So that way they could actually sell oil and natural gas that way. That was one of the main reasons they tried to go into Ukraine was to use Crimea to build a a pipeline. So that didn't work. So they ended up going through Turkey. Well, it's all just to try to get to the Mediterranean, and Israel is already there. Um, Israel already has the natural gas to do it. So this could be the, I guess you could say, financial windfall that Israel was looking for to be able to pay for a Palestinian state on the Sinai Peninsula. Um, and, it, and actually, this is you know kind of a new scenario for me where I uh, didn't really hear it until tonight, um, but it makes a lot of sense. And then if you throw in the removal of those two islands that are directly off of the Sinai Peninsula and given to Saudi Arabia, it does seem like they're setting the stage to do exactly just that. So, you know, from a finance standpoint, it's going to be you know, pretty easy to pay for when you have the, the natural gas and oil and natural gas is going to go up in value. 
and we also have Israel being a burdensome stone. And now we have Russia that's actually supporting Israel to have half of Jerusalem as their capital. So the stage is completely set for, for all of this to, to develop and, and grow into a possible Palestinian state in Sinai Peninsula. Well, Clinton, I, I appreciate your use of verbiage there, but uh, I cannot help but be reminded um, of the verbiage that the Lord uses in the Emmanuel sequence. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel for a din and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I think a more appropriate word to use there would be the snare has been set. And the next verse, and many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I know exactly what that says in both the Hebrew and the Greek. But we need to get Brian back on here. Ladies and gentlemen, we're down to the last 15 minutes, so Brian has had his breather. Come on, Brian, jump back in here. Uh, because uh, Clinton just realized that, oh my goodness, the one belt, one road makes sense. It, it makes terrifying sense. Brian? Well, and I think it's important to uh, point out, too, some of the events that are going on there in the Sinai going up towards the Negev. Uh, folks, you need to remember on top of it that Egypt has had to deal with a confrontation with a massive amount of um, ISIS forces that have moved into that area. And they sent a fairly large army against them, and it didn't turn out well for them. So we've also got Islamic State is moving its way towards the Negev as we speak. So that is another, you know major standout thing that goes into the mix here on top of it. Now, when we're bringing up Palestine, everybody, folks, this takes even another turn because now we're beginning to go into Psalms 83. Asher will be beholden, hidden behind the scenes, guiding the sons of Lot. Well, who is it that's in right now in Israel that is going by the name, quote-unquote, Palestinians. Well, they're actually Jordanians, folks, and you can look into it and find it anywhere. And who are the Jordanians? They are the sons of Lot. Okay, so now we've got major impl implications right there alone, and moving that towards the Sinai and so forth. It's starting to get a little bit unnerving. Now, a couple of details I wanted to touch on here, too, is um, there's some comments that have been going on here in the news. And to be thoroughly honest, folks, um, they're basically stating that, you know, well, there's going to be no ground troops that are going to be sent into Syria. Folks, hit the rewind button. We've covered it in the last few weeks. Okay, there's been warnings because they sent troops in. Okay, so this has already happened. 
They have sent troops into Iraq. They have sent troops on the ground into Syria. There was a warning as they were basically in there protecting the Kurds from the Turkish people that, you know, you are committing an act of war. Now, if you caught note of a few comments that came out, one of the uh, one of uh, Trump's old backers, and isn't a backer any longer now, he's ticked off about these actions, stated flat out, you've just started World War III. Now, look what they released here. Um, out of Reuters News, exclusive situation in Syria constitute international armed conflict slash Red Cross. But this isn't just the Red Cross, folks. This is Geneva, all kinds of places. You know what an international conflict is? Hello? That's called World War. Okay. What was that? He launched it 100 years to the date of World War One. We have multiple authorities coming forward on April 7th at 6.11 p.m. BST um, that that was released, stating this is now a world war. Um, not to be Captain Obvious here, but Lou. So it goes deeper and deeper. There's already troops that have been mobilized on the ground, folks. So I don't know why these um, varied commentators are going, well, he's not going to send group troops on the ground. They're already there. So they're playing games with you as well in this. Now, I had brought up earlier, I was going to track down the article and find the exact date that the last time around when these warships were all scrambled all throughout Cyprus. And you can find a article that's from Hurriet Daily News, and it's entitled World Powers Rush to the Eastern Mediterranean. You can see right here in broad daylight when they all scrambled. And this took place on August 29 of 2013. But there's some other important factors out here. And luckily, I had the time, thanks to you guys uh, carrying on the conversation, to double-check this. Remember, folks, I brought up the treacherous dealer. Maybe I'll just touch on one little thing here. Let's see here. Isaiah 21, verse 2. A harsh vision has been shown to me. The treacherous one still deals treacherously, and the destroyer still destroys. Go up, Alam, lay siege media. I have made an end of all the groaning she has caused. Now, when you look at the Greek, it uses Alam, and it uses Persia. Now, folks, when you go to the Encyclopedia Britannica, First off, it's going to confirm everything I uh, had stated in our kingdom of divided against itself that Darius did indeed seize that throne. If you go in and look up Cyrus the Great in the Encyclopedia Britannica, you're going to find out just what I've stated before. He's the king of Anshan. That line stopped immediately at the time of Darius the Great, where he retitled it the Achaemenid Empire. Where is Anshan? It's in Elam. Whereas the Elam in modern-day Iran. Now, where did Darius come from? Well, folks, his family tree traces to someplace different than the king of Anshan. Those two horns, folks, are already gathered together in Iran as we speak. We have both the Medians and the Persians there right now on the ground. Does this discount the Medes and their claim? I'm not certain because their DNA does show 
their genetic Y-DNA testing does show they very well might be part of that same branch of the meat. Folks, like I said, I have specific genetic testing here sitting right in front of me that shows you that the uh, people from Alam that would have been descended through Shem and the Medes that would have been descended through Japheth, guess what, folks? They're mixed. We have both of them in Iran right now. When you look at this, when you look at all the context of all the other scriptures that are going to point you in all kinds of directions here, everything keeps pointing repeatedly that we are about to see the stage where the Persians and the Medes are about to come into this thing full swing. That's as I stated before. I'm not going to state it outright because I got a bad feeling we may never know who instigated that attack. But the Bible may have given us a crucial key clue. I'm going to be quiet there for the last few minutes. Let you guys go ahead. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I do apologize. I didn't get to any of my Earth Change news. Uh, as a matter of fact, it, it seems like uh, this is the only topic that we've covered. And like I said, the event horizon. You can find it over on the Diligent Watchman podcast. Just just search that, and it'll take you over there to Clinton's page, I'm sure. Or you can just go to clintoncowatch.com. I, I think he – well, that's how I get there. I'm too dumb to figure out how to, how to get there anyway, so I just go to his page, and it's it's over there on the right. But you need to consider everything that's coming down the barrel. I, I do want to take – some time to remind everybody that Passover is right on top of us, ladies and gentlemen. And you need to do a little bit of studying about uh, the fifth child uh, concerning Passover. Uh, You need to understand that it was just released uh, this week. Uh, I strongly suggest you go over and check this on uh, Arut Shavah. On Passover, the Bible wants us to be so involved in the Exodus that we transport ourselves to that very moment. The name of the article is A New Understanding of the Mitzvah of the Haggah. Okay? Seriously, take a look at it. Lots coming up, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I also suggest that you take a look at the Pink Moon. I just put some articles over there on Twitter. I I just strongly suggest that you go and look at all the articles that I didn't get a chance to talk about because, well, we had more important things to cover. You need to know what is to come. If the spirit of truth has not come to you. So... Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we're doing the best that we can to keep you up to date, but the one thing I've got to cover, because Brian preached it from the rooftop, so it's – I need to back him up because this is just off the charts. This is the name of the headline. U.S. televangelist Trump's critics are blaspheming. 
ladies and gentlemen. High-profile conservative convict Christian preacher Jim Baker has been slammed after suggesting those who criticize U.S. President Donald Trump are blaspheming and claiming that selfies are signs of the last day. Ladies and gentlemen, this is just off the charts, this article is. It it truly is. You should be worried that this conservative convict Christian, uh, this is what is stated in the article. The U.S. televangelist also quoted 2 Timothy 3.2, which says that the end times, people will be lovers of themselves. (laughs) And use that to justify his belief that billions of selfies that have been taken are a sign that the rapture is imminent. Ladies and gentlemen. (sighs) Ladies and gentlemen. um, Just take a look at that article, and I strongly suggest that you go there and and try to figure out why it was also released – this week, some some news, um, of course, glorifying uh, the Schofield Reference Bible. Um, and while you do that, you might want to look into the Lotus Club, um, which Schofield was a part of, that, that secret society. So, uh, Clinton, jump on here and say goodbye real quick, and then Bry, say goodbye, and I shall take us out. We've only got 90 seconds left. So, Clinton... Yeah, thank you, everyone, for uh, listening to us. Uh, you know, it's been a great pleasure, and uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, may God guide you on your journey. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. God bless. All right, ladies and gentlemen, brace yourself. You know, you've been commanded to watch and pray. I su- strongly suggest you do that very thing. I strongly suggest you do that very thing. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless and God speed. And I assure you that all of you that might be confused about what the three of us covered this broadcast, I will pray the entire week for you that that whatever it takes for you to understand what we were talking about that the Lord might send to you, and I don't care what part of the planet you're on. As I stated. Until next time, God bless. Godspeed. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.